Sports and politics don't go together. Well, they do now. Actually, they always have. Reggie Bush may be welcomed back to USC, finally. Is COVID making a comeback and may actually ruin football season? The NCAA did something wonderfully, surprisingly good, and we can't believe it. And is ASU turning into an HBCU? And how about those preseason college football rankings? I'm George Reister with Ralph Amsden, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. We want to thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your energy. Please make sure that you share the feed with a friend and also leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't just share with one friend. Share with a bunch of friends. This is the podcast about the conference that we care about, the sports that we care about, by Pac-12 fans, for Pac-12 fans, If you want to get a hold of us, he's at Ralph Amsden on Twitter and social media. I'm at George Reister. Or you can send us a message at imat, I-M-M-A-D, at unafraidshow.com. And of course, it'll make the show and we will get back to you. Enjoy the show. Ralph, I think that it would be... um, we, we would be wrong if we didn't acknowledge the temperature in the room and everything that's going on in the country because Pac-12 schools, schools around the nation are acknowledging what's going on in the world as far as Black Lives Matter, equality for all, um, ending police brutality, systematic oppression of black people, and... The students, the student athletes have been vocal about it. Coaches have been vocal about it. And there have also been some uh, some scandals that have come out of this. We have a defensive coordinator for one of the top defenses in the country suspended right now. Uh, where are you on all of this right now? Everywhere you can be. <laughs> I'm. Um, there's a lot going on, man. It's it's really, really hard to focus on just one thing at a time because it feels like a little bit of news is dropping, you know, um, every single day. Uh, you got coaches and players, you know, stuff from their past getting uh, drug out into the light and sprayed with disinfectant. You got schools issuing, you know, different statements. Um, you have the fact that the Pac-12 has five black head coaches and the rest of the uh, country is something like six for one eighteen, um, and which which makes a lot of people in this conference, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've been this for some people, George. But there's the whole like safe black friend thing going on. Like, hey, oh, look, yeah, we need to f- find the 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 one black guy we know and who has a voice. We need to hear him talk about it so he can tell us what to do because now we're all of a sudden all very interested in. Um, in, in doing what needs to be done. And, and so we're going to heap all the responsibility on, on the, the, the one or two black guys or one or two black girls that we know. And I feel like a lot of that's happening in the PAC 12. And so there's just a lot to pay attention to. Um, there's just a lot. <laughs> where, where are you at? Well, 
I think that it is fantastic that you have universities, you have, you know, coaches really stepping up and being in the paint with their, with their players. Because if you really think about it, right, here is the kind of the inherent problem. And I forget one of the coaches was, was, was talking about this. He said, okay, you have all these black players and it, and you feel comfortable cheering for them on Sundays. I'm sorry, on Saturdays. And, you know, shouting, getting excited because they did something good for you. They won for your team, made you happy, all of this. But then at the end of the day, when they're going through things in their personal life, you don't defend them with the same fervor and energy that you do when they can do something for you. And truthfully, there are a lot of people out there who, you know, say, I don't have any racial uh disparity in my in my heart i don't you know i see all people are equal this and that but the true litmus test is this i found this in life is people can say that they have all the black friends they want all the brown friends they want all the you know muslim friends they want whatever it is the true litmus test is and that you have to examine in your heart is would i be okay if this person dated or married my daughter that's the ultimate litmus test. And I think that when you have these coaches standing up with their players and saying, you know what, you uh, whether it's genuine or whether it's not genuine, the whole point is, is that they are making money, millions of dollars off of these black bodies, and they need to be standing in the paint with them for something that they have experienced throughout their community and or anything sort sorts of thing where they're followed in stores presumed to be uh, a threat all of these things anything that they feel systematic oppression where like uh, I tweeted out an interesting vid- video about it so um, I'll actually put the link to it in the podcast notes about how systematic oppression works and it it, it starts with the money like what once you get past you know, slavery and uh, and schools being integrated, segregation, all of that. Once you get past that, then it starts being an economic issue in the fact of, so all, all of this happened. There was redlining. Black people weren't allowed to buy. They weren't given loans for businesses and homes and all of these things, right? And so it's hard to build wealth in that way. And then... You when you don't own homes, you end up in poorer neighborhoods renting and all that. And then uh, schools are funded by property tax money. So if you live in a nice neighborhood, property tax are going to be more. Your schools are better funded. Same is true of uh, the opposite is true for poor neighborhoods. Uh, Less land value, less property tax money. Schools are overcrowded. All, just there's food insecurity, all of these things that continue to exacerbate problems. And these are some of the things that these kids faced when they had to go back home during COVID food insecurity, all, all of this stuff. They're back in neighborhoods that maybe aren't that great. And they're experiencing some of these things. And now to have it all come to the forefront and to have their universities and to have their coaches stand up with them and for them is big. It is huge. Um, we just 
have to make sure that it's not lip service. You know, I felt like so many of the statements that came out came out because everyone else was making statements. Like, when oh, we and you re- couldn't be the one who didn't make a statement, right? Would we really have heard from Chip? Ke- Chip Kelly seems very much like a handle this stuff in house guy. Would we really have heard from Chip Kelly if it wasn't for like a dominoes falling type situation? Of where, you know, everybody had to come out and say something? Oh, yeah, probably not. And I think that that's what has happened so long in our community is that people have been silent and, you know, just turned the other way, say, well, that doesn't affect me. I don't want to cause a commotion. And that has been a large part of the problem is that willingness to stay silent because your, your, your silence is being complicit when you know that something is wrong. And I think that, that the, that where some people look at it, they say, Oh, the schools are being bullied. Coaches are being bullied into saying something, but isn't it better? Like I, I look at it like that. Yes. Some of these people probably felt compelled and forced to do some of these things, but isn't it better to get people out of their comfort zone and stand up for what's right and then get comfortable with it than to just continue to let something that's wrong go on and you just stay in your comfort zone of silence. Yeah. And it what what I just keep getting confused by is how people are taken aback by this or or how they're surprised by any of this or or why some of these statements you know, so many of these statements said one of two things of like, I, I'm I'm becoming aware um, of these things. And I, I don't understand it. I was 10 years when Tupac said, if I know that in this hotel room, they have food every day and I'm knocking on that door every day to eat and they open the door. Let me see the party. Let me see them throwing salami all over, just throwing food around and telling me there's no food. Every day I'm standing outside trying to sing my way in. We're hungry. Please let us in. We're hungry. Please let us in. And about a week, that song is going to change to we're hungry. We need some food. After two, three weeks, it's give me the food or I'm breaking down the door. After a year, you're like, I'm picking the lock. I'm coming through the door blasting. Right? Like that was, that was 1994. That's 26 years ago now to where, you know, the somebody who is at the absolute forefront of the black culture that we all enjoy, that we all take from, that we all consume, was explaining to you exactly what this moment would be and what this moment has been. That for all of a sudden, people like Utah's defensive coordinator or that, you know, backup tight end out of Oregon State to be like, uh, I'm sorry that I was saying the N word in 2008, 2013, 2017. Um, you know, I've learned my bad. Like, no, th- this has been, we've known, we've known forever. Nothing has ever changed about what you can and can't say. And why, why, why is education for people coming in their late teens or in their mid thirties? None of this makes any sense to me. If you don't operate with empathy, if you don't understand that you can't just stand in your own experience, if the things that you do on a daily basis involve people from other places and other cultures and other experiences, you're going to have a bad time. 
and and I think that we we're seeing plenty of that. Well, there and okay, so I I think the biggest issue with things has been when you have people is I think it's very easy to look at your situation and look at it as a one-off or, and, and I think that that's what's happened with police brutality is that people look at the murders are like, Oh, the numbers aren't that high, all of this, but it's not even just about the murders that have happened by at the hands of police. It is the, the brutality that doesn't end in death. And it's also the, the criminalizing just by how you look. And being able to, you know, when um, when the Karen when Karens can call the police and say, "Oh, there's an African American here. He's assaulting," me. and there and and the sympathy is going to be there instead of doing the due diligence and saying, "Wait, hold up, what the heck happened here?" And you having to de-escalate things in that in that way. So I think it's important that that. And I think that a lot of people are saying, now, hold up. I was just looking at these as isolated incidents because it's easy to look at things as isolated incidents when it doesn't happen to you all the time. Like prime prime example today. Today, I had an interaction with my barber, right? He came over. We're doing social distancing haircut in the backyard, masks on, all of, all of this stuff. This dude's been cutting my hair for years, right? And... um technology is coming to play and I always pay him with either Zelle. Well, now I only play it, pay him with Zelle, but used to pay him with, you know, uh, Venmo or something like that. Right. And I'm just going about my day. So when I would leave the barbershop, I would be getting ready to pay him. And a few times I got a phone call in or something. And the last time he came to my house, he cut me, the kids, all of this stuff. He left. I was cooking dinner. He was like, yo, will uh, you send me the money? Blah, blah, blah. So he, th- this had happened a few times, but I didn't think too much of it. Cause I'm like, yo, I paid you. Like, what is, what is the problem? So today he shows up at my, at my house. He's like, um, gee, uh, I need you to send, send me the money first. I was like, bro, what are you talking about? You don't pay for a haircut before you get it. I mean, even though it's the same dude, he knows how I want my haircut. We've never had a problem. We're friends. He wrote a book. My, my name is in his book, all of this stuff, but he was pretty angry at me. Right. And I'm like, bro, like, what are you so hostile? Like, why are you coming at me? He he was like, yo, if you don't want to pay it, pay it first. I'm leaving. Like, forget it. And I was like, okay, hold up. Cause this is going to turn into a thing where we're not going to be cool because I'm going to be pissed off. I'm never getting my hair cut with you again because, I mean, th- despite 10 years of this, right? Cuts my kids' hair, everything. And I was like, okay, hold up. I'm going to d- defuse the situation. So I was like, look, I'm going to pay you, but we're going to have a conversation while while we're getting getting cut. And so I pay him. He comes back. And I was like, bro, what's up with you? I was like, listen, if you got a problem with me, then you need to bring it to me in this sort of sort sort of way. And he said something that clicked to me. He was like, George, this has happened multiple, multiple times or whatever. I was like, haven't you always been paid like for 10 years? Never. Not one time I had a problem. He was like, yes, you've always paid me. He was like, but I'm I mean, mind you, this is not typical barber. Like he's on time, conducts everything like a professional, everything. And so and- it's not so it's not the barber from Atlanta. No, hell no, dude. This <laughs> he he actually created an app 
that schedules. So like you can schedule your times, created his own app. So you, you can schedule your, your, your times, book an appointment. So you don't have to sit at the barbershop for two, three hours, any of that. He's on, I mean, just very, very professional. And it just hit me. I was like, bro, I want to apologize to you. I was like, I didn't like the way you came at me, but now that you mentioned you, you have said this a couple of times and I just, he was like, bro, you just la- laughed it off and it like pissed me off. And I, and I was like, damn, I was so caught up in my own stuff and not paying attention. I was like, you've been very professional. All of this we're friends and all this stuff. And I was being negligent in how I was treating you. And I apologize for that. And so it, it's, it's a minor scale compared to what's been going on out in the world. But it was something where I was so focused on me and my own situation that I didn't realize that I was treating somebody that I value as a friend and also as my barber in a way that wasn't cool. And because, that's because, because it's a mutually beneficial relationship. And so you're all you're thinking about is a bottom line. And, and I've noticed a lot of that of people talk about these kids, like when this whole thing with Morgan Scally, the defensive coordinator um for utah when this whole thing came up everybody that you know and utah fans they they just just do me a favor and just chill sit this one out you're not going to change the outcome with your tweets you're only going to tell on yourself that's it and if there's any fan base that just needs to chill on an issue like this it's the crossover fan base of the utah jazz so (laughs) that being said a lot of them were like, look how many people Morgan Scally took out of their situations. They immediately, immediately tried to put it on a scale of saying like, all right, how many times can you say the N-word that it's actually worth helping a black person move out of where they were at in Florida <laughs> or Texas? That's what they were doing, right? They, they were trying to find some way. They're like, look, this is a mutually beneficial like, so what? He accidentally text a player's family that that player <laughs> was the N-word when he meant to send it to a fellow coach. He helped that player. So they're even. Like, so what if he called that player an N-word to their face? That player is still playing football in the CFL. Like, he helped that person. So they're even. Like, that, trying to put it on some type of scale just shows a complete lack of empathy to the imbalance of the power structure that exists in the first place. Morgan Scally has literally made millions of dollars off of the free labor of black athletes from New Orleans, from Texas, from Florida. And he knows that. He knows well, that. And, and that's the not- funny part. That's the funny part to me is that is that then you have players caping for him like, Oh, he's su- he's such a good man. He treated us fairly. Of course, he's he's going to try to play the best player because that keeps him a job. And then he's he was getting ready to be close to name start buzzing about head coaching jobs. So yes, he's going to play play the best player because he it's beneficial to him. And I I told you this right. I told you that like so I had a best friend all through high school and and after high school and was in my wedding and everything. Um, he does not listen to this podcast and we, we don't really talk too much. And so uh, I, I doubt it's going to become an issue, but I'll, I'll say this. I had a friend who I thought was the absolute pinnacle of um, 
racial equality and mutual respect. He had moved from Oregon when we were in high school. He came in, uh, into our high school in Arizona. He was a leader. He was super athletic. He was good looking. He treated everybody with respect. He was just like, like when I, the first time I ever saw Tim Tebow talk, I was like, Oh, that reminds me of my friend. And, um, you know, this guy, he was just so giving and his parents had an open door policy and they were just incredible people. And I didn't have a great home life. So I spent a lot of time at his house and all of our friends who were black and brown spent a lot of time at his house and at his dinner table and around his parents and around his brother and sister. And he gave them rides and he gave them food and and he was just so good to everybody. He kind of set the model for me of like, oh, this is how I need to treat people. If I ever get the opportunity, I got my own house. Like I want to have open door policy like this. I want to make sure that my kids know that everybody can come to dinner, right? And and he was so good to so many people. And one day it came up in conversation that um, he had that belief. You you talked about it at the, at the top of the podcast of like the true test is like, would you let them marry your son or daughter? Right. Yeah. And he, he told me that the attitude of his house and it was an attitude that he shared was you can bring them around. Just don't make them family. And I remember just being devastated. I remember screaming in his face just being so brokenhearted that like this person that I had held up on a pedestal thought this way. And I mean, it, it hurt, it hurt bad. And I'll tell you what, like it, it, it took a, about a year after that for our friendship to kind of fizzle out. And we haven't talked much for the last 15 years or whatever. Um, in that year of me fighting with him about this. And in that year of me being brokenhearted about, you know, finding out the truth about his attitude an attitude that he never showed any remorse for whatsoever. If someone had come along and called him a racist in that year, I would have fought that person because of the value that I had of our relationship, even though I knew it was true, even though I knew for a fact and had the evidence that it was true. And when I saw all of those Utah players Uh, out there defending Morgan Scally in this moment in history, in this moment in time. That's what it reminded me of. He did a lot for them and they have a relationship and yeah, maybe, maybe racist isn't the right thing to call him, but you need to address the facts of the matter, which is that he feels the comfort to do what he did. And if you read that athletic article, um, you know, it, it wasn't just the things he was saying, which are horrible enough. It was he would do stuff like sob openly if someone who was LDS got caught smoking weed, but then be unforgiving if it was a black kid. Yep. Like, that's yeah. deeply ingrained. Correct. And that's where I get how it can be hard for for people. It's like when, you know, uh, there, there was a case not too long ago where uh, this this kid got kidnapped from a hospital like 20 years ago and the mom raised the kid. But then at 16, the kid wanted to go get the daughter wanted to go get a job. She needed a birth certificate, didn't have a birth certificate. So she had to go. Uh, so she ended up telling her what what happened. She goes to go find her real mom like a few years later. Like she kept the secret for another two years. Went to go find her mom. Uh, Then 
the the lady who kidnapped her her the lady who raised her treated her well all of this stuff ends up in jail and the real mom is having a problem because she's like i don't understand why uh my daughter who was kidnapped isn't looking at this lady as a kidnapper, but she's looking at her like a mom and she feels conflicted because she's like this. This is the lady who raised me and she treated me phenomenally, but she stole me. <laughs> so it's like it's one of those things that it has to be so confusing for for people. But here's the question for you, Ralph. Because people will say, oh, it was 2013. It was so long ago. All of this. Should Morgan Scally be fired? Oof. Um, and, and is he going? So there's two, two separate questions. Is he going to be fired? And should he be fired? When you look at the way that Oregon State handled their similar-ish situation, difference between player and coach, but you know it's something that happened a while back. Um and you, what you ask is, is Utah going to be more like Oregon Gamble State Sweeney. than the Buffalo Bills, who are just standing by Jake Fromm, who texts some random person some dumb shit about only elite white people being able to afford gun parts? Um, which, by the way, like for all these white people out there that are like, what, you've never texted anything like that? No, I haven't. Why have you? <laughs> you morons. Quit being racist in your text messages, you assholes. If we if we lose a couple listeners from this, I just want you to know, grace exists. Grace exists. Just stop texting racist stuff to people, please. Exactly. And acting exactly. like everybody does it, and then telling on yourself by saying what everybody does it. No, so you never, Ralph. Ralph. So so you're so you you never have done that. So, like, you've never called anybody the the N word, Ralph. Come on now. Hell no. Are you <laughs> exactly. kidding me? I would exactly. Do, do you understand? Like, I, I, I don't. I, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out how these people didn't get their ass kicked. Every every single questionable thing that I said in my youth, whether it was in my home or outside my home, you had to be able to back it up with your fists in that moment in that moment and there were people who lived on my block who have been lifelong friends of mine whose parents taught them no interracial marriage one of my absolute best friends who is in an interracial marriage now um ironically not only believed that but he was super aggressive toward anybody of hispanic heritage and our other neighbor kid who was our best friend was hispanic and so it was just very tense all the time and anytime it came up anytime it bubbled over somebody swung like you you couldn't get away with stuff like this and i can't imagine wanting to be around people who talk like that i think everybody's got friends who like i there's humor in our differences right so you know i've never hung around with the type of people who just say Three guys walk into a bar and then they jump right into uh, racist stereotypes. That's never been my scene. Um, you know, hanging out with all my friends who roast each other over like how dark their skin is and what the sun does to it. And we all laugh. That's different. Like my dad's entire side of the family that's Indian, that they make fun of each other for doing like native people things. 
You know, like my uh, the last time that I was hanging out with my aunt, she was like, yeah, uh, <laughs> she was like, yeah, um, you know, I think that uh, I think we'd be more against all this Redskin stuff if they weren't always giving us free shit. Like and she's like laughing about it and stuff like having conversations about the ironies and and sort of weirdness of different cultures and race and everything like that. You have to laugh about it. Because this, it's heavy otherwise, but like to exploit it or to be a bully about it? No, man. Like I just, I, what's the appeal in it? I don't get it. Yep. Okay, so it. So you didn't answer the question though. Is Morgan Scally going to be fired? Ah. Or should he be fired? I'm not letting you off the hook. Um, if this, like, literally at this point in history with millions of people out in the street risking their lives because there's a deadly virus going around to try to make sure that people understand that we haven't been on equal footing for four centuries, this is not the best time for me to go out and say that we should exercise some grace in this moment and give him another opportunity. Um, the freaking thing with Michael Richards in a comedy club happened how many decades ago? Like it's been learned. We know what to do and what not to do. He should have known better. And if it costs him his job, I will not lose one wink of sleep, no matter how many former Utah football players get in my DMS and call me names for bringing it up because that has been happening as well. However, it's not up to me. I believe wholeheartedly that his players should have some level of input in what happens with the understanding though, that the power dynamic would put them in a, and football players hate change. Anyway, the power dynamic would put them in a position where I very much doubt that any of them would step up, even if they believed that he should lose his job and outright say it, I think he should be demoted. So I'll put, I'll leave it at that. I think that somebody else needs to run the defense this year while he does some serious soul searching. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here. Okay. So, and so to answer the same question, I think that being that there were some other issues that are coming up about how he treated players, that that's what's going to ultimately, I believe, end up getting him fired. But should he be be fired? Here are the facts that I believe. Morgan Scaly, he used the N-word. It's unacceptable, and that is absolutely a fireable offense. It doesn't matter whether it happened in 2013, because even in 2013, because that that's not a situation to where, you, you know how we try to judge history based on today's terms and all of that? Like, that's, like that wasn't cool then. So it it this wasn't 1957 and he used it and then he hasn't used it since and then and now and now you want to fire the guy. That's different. In 2013 it was unacceptable. My other question is who was the text meant for? Because he's got to fall on this sword and say I don't remember who it was for, all of that. Because if he implicates Whittingham, anybody else who it was meant for, because then people are going to be like, why did you feel so comfortable sending that to them? Right. Uh, I think that Utah fans seem to think that his best friend on the staff is a black staffer and that there maybe have been some permissions given and that the text was ultimately meant for him. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I'm just relaying. <laughs> but he's fireable I, too. Then, <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, the moral of the story is he called four black kids the N word to a kid a couple years after calling a black dude on the team the N word to his face. Yep. Uh, th- that's just that's just yeah, facts. Th- like people are trying to act like this is an isolated incident. It's not an isolated incident. Like you just don't like just pop up and be like, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a text in word today." And like my favorite player- my my favorite thing about all this is all the BYU fans that have no choice but to like outwardly express that they want him to be forgiven because their school is named after a dude who had the absolute worst record on race relations. In uh, of of any school named after anybody uh, is I mean is there a D one Jefferson University um, because otherwise <laughs> it's Brigham the, Young takes the title yeah uh, so but but here's the other part though <clears throat> here is where I could see him keeping his job is because I do believe and I do know people because a lot of change can happen in a person's heart in seven years I'm a believer in redemption forgiveness second chances all of that but he has to prove that change has happened like the impetus is on him like like there has to be some sort of epiphanous experience of religiosity or something that caused this change like you just didn't wake up one day and was like ah nah nah i'm sick of throwing okay. throwing the n-word around okay but what does change look like because in my head i envision like you know the you know, you know those signs they put up on factory floors that like it has been one day since our last time wasting money wasting actor. <laughs> like, do they just put up one of those in the Utah athletic facilities? Like, it's been forty three days since our last racist incident on staff. <laughs> Dude, maybe, 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 but we will see whether he gets fired or not. Same thing with the Iowa strength coach and all of that. But on to some good news, though, Ralph. I have been uh, caping for this and grandstanding on my soapbox for this for damn near 10 years. Reggie Bush may be headed back to having a relationship. This is the weirdest thing to me. Having a relationship with USC. Like, uh, because... Well, USC is expected to end their disassociation from Reggie Bush because in 2017, the uh, NCAA adopted a rule that said that the that the limits on any mandated disassociations between an individual and a school they they couldn't be any more than ten years, but that the it was up to the school's discretion after that i.e. Chris Webber and Michigan. And then Michigan will welcome them back. But Reggie Bush is one of the all-time greatest college football players of all time, one of USC's best players. I mean, they took down murals of him, gave back his Heisman Trophy, unretired his uh, jersey. Well, I don't know. They took it off the field, off the Coliseum, everything, dude. Like, they just, like, disavowed him, Mission Impossible style, like you got, got caught. Because apparently um, uh, that agent, Lake Lloyd, who sued the Bush family in 07 for allegedly not repaying $290,000 worth of gifts. So USC got put on, you know, they didn't get the SMU death penalty, but they got hit hard 
They had to forfeit 30 scholarships over three years, bowl bans for 2010-11. Like, it was an extremely harsh penalty. But USC may be welcoming him back, which I believe is a smart move for the university as far as recruiting and all of that. But it is also the right thing to do, Ralph. Yes, it's the right thing to do. And I know that Reggie wants it, but part of me, part of me wants him to juke them the way he used to juke defenders on the field and just not, not take their forgiveness. (laughs) Oh, that would be poetic justice. Because it's garbage. It was spine. It was absolutely spineless of them to not stand up to the NCAA at the time and just say like, do you? realize the amount of money you made off of this man like usc could have just left they could have just like left the ncaa altogether just i mean like they they, i wish they would have gone to bat for this man this is of my lifetime a top three college football player yeah and a good man you know, yes, and, and it who breaks would, his heart. Like I see him, I've talked to him about this. It breaks and, his and, heart not being at USC. And history is going to look upon him so ridiculously favorably that we're not even going to believe that we ever were at the point. We are going to laugh at the idea that there was ever a penalty imposed on USC for what happened in that situation. Um, because it, look how effective it was, <laughs> right? Like, uh, and the NCAA still at it. I mean, they just hit a basketball team with a postseason ban and you put University of Arizona at serious risk. Um, but I, I, I know that Reggie wants this, and I know that it wasn't entirely USC's fault. And I know that Reg, Reggie Bush bears some responsibility in this as well, but part of me is just like, man, like they could have fought for you. And they yep. didn't. And That's the part that I don't yeah, like. They should yeah. have fought for him. It was the right thing to do. And when you make tens of millions of dollars off of somebody's back, I mean, because he was the face. I mean, he was even bigger than Matt Leiner. And Matt Leiner's one of the best Pac-12 quarterbacks of all time. And and But Reggie Bush, like, every kid wanted to be Reggie Bush. I was in the pros watching Reggie Bush because he's a couple years younger than me. And I was like, bro, this dude is cold. I have a Reggie Bush. I just just cleaning out my garage. I have a signed Reggie Bush jersey in my garage. In And my son was like, dad, you have a signed Re- Reggie Bush? Why don't you put that thing up? How like, many well, How many other dudes jerseys do you have for context of like? Oh, <laughs> I, I ironically. <laughs> As we're going through this, so I had a bunch of my other teammates like Fred, uh, uh, Fred Taylor, Maurice Jones, Drew, Donovan Darius, uh, Byron Leftwich, um, David Garrard, Sheen Mathis. I have all their signed jerseys. Um, I have a Drew Brees signed, and, and my wife was like, uh, because she said, George, you should, you should put some of these jerseys up. And I started pulling them out. She was like, uh, we're not putting the jerseys up right now. <laughs> um, Donovan McNabb, Tony Gonzalez, Jamal Lewis, Ray Lewis, um, Allen Iverson, 
a rod and like a couple other like of my friends like sammy sammy parker ontario smith like stuff like that like guys i went to oregon with hello tinata all that you this is how like this is how good reggie bush was he went to the NFL. He had like 9,000 total yards or something like that. And um, like over over 50 touchdowns, I think. Uh, he could have had zero yards and zero touchdowns, and it would not have affected his legacy at all. People don't give a crap about it. He was so good in college. And I don't know that any other sport works like this. I don't know that any other sport can can have you not hurt your legacy by your NFL performance or by your pro performance, because Vince Young's always going to be Vince Young. Reggie Bush is always going to be Reggie Bush, regardless of how things went in the pros. That's my opinion. I don't think that can happen in basketball. Like Adam Morrison got ruined by the NBA. Yep. Jerry Stackhouse, his, he was never what, what he was in college like that. It just, it doesn't seem like college does that for anyone else at any other level, except for just football. Like you can be a college football legend, never do a thing in the NFL and you can forever remain with, with the legacy that you yeah, had. Your university is for forever. That's why he wants to go back because like he yeah. played for the saints, the, Dolphins, the Lions, San Francisco, and Buffalo. And like there, there's no love any of those places, really, except for the Saints, kind of. But if you look at his career, 9,000 yard over 9,000 yards, over 50 touchdowns, which is a solid career. But for yeah. Reggie Bush, that that's like underachieving, you know, compared to what people thought it was gonna be, even though that's a 11 year really good career. Like that's solid. It's not Hall of Fame, but it that's a solid career. Solid career for a dude who did not fit the league at the time he was in it and who played for garbage teams. Yep. Oh, oh, if if he were in the league now, dude, he would be ripping it up. Oh, for sure. He had, dude, he had 161 catches in his first two seasons. Yep, he would definitely be much more appreciated. But the the only thing about it though is that I don't think that Reggie made a good move when he gave his Heisman trophy back. They would have had to rip that thing from my dead lifeless hands. I won that trophy. Everybody knows I won it. I'm not giving it back to you. Like there was no advantage to him giving the trophy back. It didn't help USC. It didn't like nothing was gained by giving the Heisman trophy back. Yeah, that needs to, I mean, what's next? Is he going to get that back? Dude, with the name, image, and likeness stuff coming through and the NCAA losing another battle with Austin versus the NCAA, which is caps the it's the lawsuit that Austin filed against the NCAA for saying that the um that the value of a scholarship should be capped at the cost of attendance. And so I'll put a link to some articles about that that we've written on unafraid show. Cause we've covered that extensively. Um, yeah. So it, like they've lost more on that fight. And so if the rules are changed, how can you still hold this against him? Right. All I, all I know is he needs to wait to get 
his Heisman given back to him because there's another USC running back who did not go about it that way, who had to do a 10 year stint in prison. So just hold up, wait and, and hope that they give that trophy back to you. I wouldn't, they, they, they wouldn't need to give it back to me. They wouldn't need to give it back to me because there's no way they would have got it back to to begin with. He, yeah, I'm gonna ask him specifically about that. Do you wish you had kept the Heisman Trophy? It, my guess is it's going to be yes. Um, on to the next thing though. Will there be a Heisman Trophy given out <laughs> in 2020? Is the question because, um, just. I mean, like time is passing by so fast and so slowly at the same time because 2020, like so much has happened. Like it started out with Kobe Bryant. I mean, and that feels like two years ago at this point in, point in time. That's how crazy 2020 has been. And and COVID was rampant. Everybody was terrified on loose, social distancing in the house, all of this. And then states were like, we're opening back up. Everything's fine. We overreacted. Nothing the hell is going wrong. And then Memorial Day happened. People all out and all this. And now uh, COVID numbers for the state of Florida and for your home state of Arizona, Ralph, who opened up and said, we're open for sports. We're open. Pro sports come down here to Arizona. Numbers are spiking. Uh, (laughs) Are you remember? Two podcasts ago, we talked about this, and I said, and I was like, no, dude, I'm still scared. Like, I am not cautiously optimistic. I am living day by day, minute by minute on if stuff will get shut down. Are you getting, are your alarm bells going back off, Ralph? Yeah, man, I got got two people in my, uh, on my staff out here. Uh, that write for my website who's who either have an in-law or a parent um, who is fighting COVID right now. And it's, you know, for one of them, it's going really, really poorly. Um, and, you know, one of, and, and neither one of those cases in, is in Arizona, but I think when you, when you know people or like the, the, my kid's youth pastor, it, you know, it killed his grandfather, you know, and, and, you start to know some people who, who went through it, it becomes less about the numbers and more about a a very real thing that you can have a part in trying to curb, um, by, you know, practicing good sanitation in your own life by being courteous and, um, conscientious by wearing a mask when you go to the grocery store, if you, you know, if you have to go shopping by not going out to a bar, just because our governor said that you can, you know, um, that if you are going out to exercise your constitutional right to make your voice heard in protest, uh, that you still realize there's a virus out there and you act accordingly. Um, all of those things have to be very, very uh, much at the forefront of what you're doing. I've continued to stay home. The high school football and college football seasons are at risk out here. But we're, we've jumped 240 percent in our cases just in the last week. And that's without the protest numbers hitting yet. And I'm genuinely scared. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way. Banner hospitals, the network of banner hospitals in Arizona tweeted out that all of their ECMO machines are being used right now. That's a heart and lung bypass machine. Like it pumps blood for you and works as, um, it, it, it keeps you alive. Right. 
Uh, my daughter was on one for five days, kept her alive, saved her life. And if all of those machines are being used right now and somebody has a situation like I had where their kid needs one to stay alive, their kid's going to die. And that, I mean, those are not, I'm not fear mongering. That's real. And that's happening now. And so, you know, I'm doing my best to just chill at home. I got, I'm knee deep in 40 different garden projects around the house, um, doing all of them poorly, but I'm just trying to stay busy, trying to stay home. Uh, my family had a camping trip booked. We canceled all of that. We got an Airbnb out in the middle of nowhere and we're just going to go quarantine elsewhere in, in the mountains, assuming the state of Arizona lets us leave and it doesn't continue to get, get worse. But I can't imagine if we had allowed all of the, the baseball teams and all the basketball teams to come to Arizona and then open things up the way they did, how much we would have endangered all of those athletes. And so I, I don't know, man, I see it spiking all over the country and we did our part to flatten the curve, but the curve can still make a jump. I think people are acting like it's not a big deal anymore. And, and um, I don't, I just don't think that's the best choice. I just don't. Okay. I get if you want to, go back to normal, all that stuff. But I'm just like, wear a mask, wear a mask. Like it, like men have told me, I don't want to wear a mask. It looks funny. Like drop, drop your pride. Like no nah, man, get one biggest... of those, those black ones look cool as hell. Like who didn't want to look like a freaking GI Joe as a kid. They look awesome. It's just, they just don't want to, what, what everybody's afraid of is the thing that you and I had a long ass conversation about was the, feeling when you go to the grocery store and you're locking eyes with other afraid people. People are sick of being afraid. They're fatigued of it. And now it's not just that, but like the whole country is on fire with rage over completely different thing. There is no escaping your emotions. You just have them. And so people think that if you act all right, you are all right. And and it's just not the case. Like it's okay. God gave you emotions for a reason you don't have to like be taken over by them but lean into them when they're reasonable yeah fight but or isn't, flight isn't isn't that the thing though just in general is when you just try to act okay when you're not okay you're not okay still like that doesn't make you okay yeah how many toothaches have you powered through <laughs> like well oh. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, dude. And then I ended up having to get a crown at the end of yep. the day. Yep. Um. Oh, yeah. So I, at the end of the day, though, with this COVID thing, I am just going to be severely. I'm. I will be hot as fish grease, dude. I will be pissed off to the highest levels of pissivity if they screw up football season. You've been saying that. You've been saying that for seven weeks. Dude, if if football season gets gets college football season gets missed, dude, I am I am going to be spitting venom and rage at the just at the highest levels of just like with the power of a thousand suns, man. Because like I I already I already had Kobe Bryant die, which was just just devastating to me personally. Then the, then my my Lakers, who I felt were just on just a 
destiny run to win a championship and it was going to make things better about Kobe dying, all of this stuff. NBA season get, get, gets canceled. Well, postponed and we'll, we'll see what happens with COVID numbers because that may go the way of the white Buffalo too. I, I just, if football season then gets canceled, my Oregon Ducks are supposed to be, be good, really good. The defense playing Ohio state just, and just getting just, I just love college football with all my heart, Ralph. And if it is missing, I will just, I, I can't even tell you how devastated I will be. Like, I, I just and then my then my kids won't be able to have games and that's one of my highlights of my life is going to their games like it makes me so happy brings me yeah. so much joy dude I will just be just crushed bro just crushed well I mean so this came out yesterday and you tell me how you feel about this these 14 states just hit their highest seven day average of covid cases Alaska Arizona Arkansas your home state of California, Florida, Kentucky, New Mexico, North Carolina, Mississippi, Oregon, South Carolina, Tennessee, ready for this one? Texas, Utah, and Puerto Rico. So that's 14 states that are on an upward trend now. Does that mean everybody else follows suit or is this as bad as it's going to get? I say buckle up, man. But I, if people don't start acting more responsibly with their freedom, they're going to lose their freedom. And that's... These are privileges. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, bro, I, I just I just can't make sense of it. And, and th- th- this is one of those things where at the end of the day, this will be an I told you so for a lot of people. But this is one that I have wanted to be wrong about like where, where I thought because I not for any of my own thinking, I was like, I'm going to listen to what the scientists say. Granted, they're not all the way hundred percent right because they're dealing with something they hadn't dealt with before. So I'm like, I don't even know how this is. I don't care whether it's man-made by, you know, by, Bill Gates or China or your whoever <laughs> I don't care. I just care about the it's it's it, it's like when I have a problem, my my wife wants to talk about it. So like she cares about the the why. I don't care about the why. I just want the problem solved. So so I don't care about the origins. I don't care about George Soros. I don't care about you know the alt right. I don't care about any of this as it relates to the virus. Just do not mess like. I, I just cared about the science surrounding it and how do we fix it? And if we don't, and when people didn't want to listen, just, I, I just, I just couldn't make sense of it, but I was hoping that they were wrong. And I'm, I'm sorry, hoping that they were right. And I'm still hoping that they're right. However, my brain tells me and what life tells me is that they probably are not correct. That is probably closer to what the scientists said. All I know is we've, we've at least been on a downward trend as far as people passing away because of this. The highest day was May 6th. That's a month ago. And that was 2,700 people in a day. Very devastating and dark day for our country. 
What I worry about is, you know, over the last few days, we've probably been averaging somewhere around, I don't know, like 800 people a day. If there's 14 states that are peaking now, is that going to go back up? I mean, that, that's yes, because Ralph, Ralph, those are, yes. uh, and I Ralph, hate that. Like, these are people. If people and, get it, there's going to be people who die. But the, but the, but the other thing is this. So there have been what 11 days of protests in the country at this point in the point in time, 11 days. And, um, I personally do not believe that, that I have no evidence to prove this, but rationally it makes sense to me that less people have been getting tested in these cities for COVID during this time because they, because people haven't felt safe to leave their house or they're protesting or something along those lines. So I think that, you know, businesses have been shut down. All of this, people have been wanting to protect their own personal safety and all of this, worrying about Antifa, worried about whatever else, National Guard, curfews have been in every city. I, I think that there have been less people getting tested than probably would have been tested. I mean, do you think I'm wrong with that? You think there's less people getting tested now or there's less people getting tested than there should be? Um, oh, yeah. Less people getting tested than there should be just over the last 11 days, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm somebody they told us, you know, if you go out to one of these protests, then you should treat it like you've come into contact with it and you should probably go get tested. Um, I went to one and my instead of getting tested, um, I'm staying home. So yeah. it's been eight days. Um, I'm I think I'm good. But I'm going to wait a few more, right? Like I'm not going to, um, but if, if I even get a sniffle, man, you know, I'm going to figure, figure out a way to go, to go get a test because, you know, I, I, I don't want to, um, I don't want to put anybody else in, in, in unnecessary risk. And I'm yeah, and you have a high risk down person further. potentially in your, in your home. So That's that right. Can't be, yeah. 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 And, and, and I know that you would rather sleep in the, sleep in the corner neck next to the ivy beds then potentially put her at risk exactly exactly and i you know I, I just don't know what she can and can't handle and i'd rather not find out if i if if i can't avoid it you know yeah. um i'm not i'm not one of those parents that takes their kids to a chicken pox party you know yeah. uh, especially when <laughs> i've seen what chicken pox can do to one of my kids so um yeah i and and so the you know i you're probably right that there are a lot of people who are doing what i'm doing who maybe went out into the streets and made their voice heard. And, uh, and then they're shutting it down, just going That's home and, and waiting and it my out. My family did too. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ralph, I'm confused by what happened. So a story came out and I feel like it just got just, you know, it, it was almost like one of those Friday news dumps where, you know, they were companies put out bad news on Friday because it's going to die in the news cycle. And they hope something bad happens over the weekend to to dominate the story. Uh, and that's what I feel like happened with Michael Turk, the Arizona State punter, <laughs> getting uh, granted being able to come back to the NCAA after declaring for the draft, hiring an agent. Right. And then 
not going drafted and then able to come back, even though I do believe players should be able to do that. This is the first time that this has ever, ever, ever happened. And I was just floored, but nobody acted like it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, there were, there was a couple, a couple of thoughts on this. A lot of people thought that it was stupid of him to leave with two years of eligibility left. I don't think you and I were among them. No. Um, Cause I, I don't know if you can get better than he was. Yeah, I was I surprised like, he didn't get drafted. Yeah, I was also surprised he didn't get drafted. And also, I especially since like the Patriots drafted a dude with like a super far right tattoo. P.S. That has not been in the news for. <laughs> oh, if the NFL draft was today and that happened, oh my oh, god. god, there's no chance he would be drafted. Nah, he'd have moved to New Zealand, but he, so <laughs> and go go play rugby. Right, but so there were kickers and punters picked, and he wasn't one of them, which was a little bit surprising. I think you and I both feel like if he had the opportunity to work out for teams, that something would have gotten figured out. But he can't work out for teams because of the situation that we found ourselves in, and that's the basis of the NCAA, allowing him to come back to school to a school that already accepted a grad transfer punter from Florida State. So... There exists a world in which Michael Turk declares for the NFL draft, goes to the combine, hires an agent, comes back to ASU, loses the kicking job, waits a year, punts for Arizona State a year from now, then goes back (laughs) to the NFL combine to be the only two-time NFL combine participant in college football history. Uh, do you think this is a one-off or do you think it sets a precedent? Because I think it would be fantastic for student athletes to have the option. If if you're Hunter Bryant, aren't you trying to, uh, aren't you trying to, uh, go down this road too? Or if you are the, um, uh, Trey Adams at Washington as well, aren't you trying to go down this road undrafted? Or yeah, sal- I mean, Salvin on bed. I mean, you trying to it, go down this road. I'd try to go down that road if I was a fifth round pick to Cleveland. So, like, I'd be like, yeah, I'll <laughs> next week. but like, but what do you if a school is full on scholarships? What do you do? Are you allowed to take money from an agent to fund your last year of education? Oh. Because then you wouldn't be on scholarship and there's new rules about money you you can and can't take. I bet I bet you anything that it would be easier um, for someone to to become a national name for getting snubbed in the NFL draft and then find a way to parlay that into some possible sponsorship deals when they come back for the rest of their eligibility in college. Um, There's ways that I don't know. It sets a very interesting precedent. And I like that it was for a very specific reason because it doesn't put the NCAA in a place where they have to say, all right, this door is open now Um, because this was a one off due to a pandemic. Uh, What I thought was very interesting was Arizona State making it seem like because the staff at Arizona State has a lot of pro connections that they or the one who <laughs> got him back to, I think there was like uh there was like a hashtag, maybe it was from Antonio Pierce or somebody like that was like, it's who, you know? And I was like, all right, well you're making it seem like, so like is what's the appeal in that? Like 
hey, I got I should go to Arizona State because then if I don't get drafted, I can always come back. <laughs> it, 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 it's who you know, Ralph. It's who you if know. it's who you know, then he would have got drafted. You can't. Uh, anyway. Dude. Yes, it's one of those things. Yeah, yeah. You want to use it one way. I wish I had seen that that tweet. How I, I would have replied, <laughs> and I would have been like, "Okay, well, how come them them people that that you know didn't get them drafted then?" Right. So you can get them back in school, but you can't get them drafted. All right. Let me know how that works out for you. But I do ultimately think that this is going to work out for for Turk because if you're Arizona State, you're kind of in a weird spot because okay. So if you're the the grad transfer from Florida State, if you try to transfer again, will they then grant you a waiver to play immediately because of what happened there? They should, Be- honestly, because, because they're Turk this, the waiver. This is, this is their fault. The kid's name is Logan Tyler. He's a good punter. He he has he has fifty career punts over fifty yards. So he's got a ton of experience. Um, there are college teams all over the country would want this guy. Also, um, it's going to be a fight. Yeah. Yeah, no this is like a legit kicker battle, which I'm super excited about. I mean, and these are two good punters. Well, hey, listen. How, listen. how he, is he it that ASU's going to take him? ASU's going to end up with more punter drama than kicker drama and last year they had a kicker quit in the middle of the season and end up at Mississippi State. So, you just you, you never know with this Arizona State special teams. Dude, Arizona State's a, a mess just just to begin with. Um, <laughs> but um, ASU, uh, speaking of ASU, they put out a big-time statement. The ASU, what is it, ASU, the 22 of ASU? It's called We 22, and it's like 22 black administrators slash assistant coaches at the school. Um put out a very, very specific, very detailed statement about the history of black America and what Arizona state specifically seeks to do to help bridge that gap and elevate the black community. Um, It was probably the most specific and detailed thing I've seen put out from any school. But the thing is, this wasn't put out from the school. This is put out from a group of people at a school. So it's not like it's sanctioned per se. And Herm Edwards name is not on this. He's not one of the 22, um, which is interesting. Uh, And I'm sure he'll be questioned about why his name's not on it. And maybe it was just meant to be left to assistants and admins and staffers and things like that. Um, But this is, I mean, this is heavy. You saw, I mean, you and I read it together before we started recording, this is like, I hope every school puts out some version of this to let fan. I mean, it, it called out the fans. Right? Like in, yeah. in part, it called out the fans for, for basically for rooting for them, for what they do for your school, but not understanding what they, the gap they have to make up to prove that their life matters in other situations and that it's historical and that it's deep, deep, deep seated uh, in society. And I mean, it, and it names, you know, George Floyd and Derek Chauvin by name. It is, it's a lot. Um, yeah. And it's, it, it, it's very interesting to see 
how this will play because the deep, deep, deep cynic in me of just someone who covers college football is like, well, are they trying to recruit with this? And if you're putting 22 names on it, and a lot of these are people who switch schools from year to year, you know, is it something that is a continued program? I see some names on there of people who are at ASU year in, year out, and they're working the student success office to help with like graduation. You know, they got Jack Jack, uh, Jack Jones from USC, who got kicked out for academics, made the dean's list this year. So maybe they are doing these exact things. I just, you know, you and I talked about it. And I think you echoed some same sentiment. Like, what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, with everything that has been going on, it has been popular and mandated for people to make statements. And we're going to see over the coming weeks, months, years, who is really about that action and who is really just about the lip service to make sure that they don't get canceled or called out. Would you, if you worked at one of these schools, would you say anything without talking to your players first? Because I was listening to a Pac-12, the Pac-12 podcast, the Pac-12 Network podcast with Kevin Sumlin, and he very much pointed out how important he thought it was to talk with his players before having to release any type of statement. If you, if you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. It's fantastic. Um, but he, you know, would you be putting stuff out like this without like, would you run it by all the student athletes? Would you just trust Uh, your, I would trust your gut. Well, as a, as a coach, as a me being a black person, I feel like there's a level of this that I could speak about on my own, but as the leader of a team, I'm going to talk to my team because we've seen what, what happens when coaches don't. And because because players are very vocal and the best players who know that they have a platform and a voice like uh, what, what what's the name? Marvin Marvin Wilson. Yeah. Well, Marvin, Marvin Wilson, Wilson calling Florida, out Florida State. Marvin Called Wilson out. calling out Mike Norvell might be the best yes. thing to happen in all of college football this offseason. Yes, because Mike Nor- Norvell, if you don't know, he posted and said, oh, I talked to each of the players individually about this and the race and all of this and marvin lewis called him out was like full cap homie this didn't happen that's a lie like yo like you called the head coach out on twitter though andy said the team's not gonna work out until they get it straight like that was and if you don't know who marvin wilson is he is rivals number two overall player from the class of 2017 He's yeah, so big, he's been a big deal, deal his whole time, and he could have yeah. gone in the draft this year and either been a first or second round draft pick, probably. But no, he wants that that high. He wants to be a top ten pick, which I do not blame him for coming coming back. It makes sense because that was the right move that he felt for him. But the fact that that means that he's so well respected with his teammates, and that he that. He's talked to his teammates and they they've agreed not to work out until it gets worked out. But Mike Norvell, who's new around there, like he has more power than Mike Norvell, and Mike Norvell's the head yep. coach, which is a, a, which is how it should be. I mean, you you're the like if you're the team captain. I, I always say this, um, you know, when especially when it came down to the fact that like you can cut players now. Um, Players who choose to take a scholarship to go play football at a school, uh, 
are more of that school. They have more of that school in their blood than anyone who accepts a paycheck to be the coach. Like I, it doesn't matter what school it is in the, you know, um, it, it, it could be anyone anywhere. If you choose a school and you have other options and you go there and you give them free labor, um, you know, I think, and, and people are going to take issue with the word free, but guess what? It, it's, it's an exchange. Like it's, yeah, it's in, yeah. Like it, it, you're, you're not compensated. It, you're, you're not, people will say like, well, you're getting paid through a scholarship. Like, no, that's the trade. And then, you know, and then from there you make those guys a lot of money. Um, that That's really the way it should be. Players should have a lot more power and what came of this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in college football. Not only did they work it out, Marvin Wilson, in effect, held that entire program hostage. And the ransom that he demanded was like more programming around Tallahassee for kids and single mothers and elementary schools. And it was getting his teammates registered to vote. And the way he articulated it the next day was like, damn, this dude could be president today like this dude would be a better option to be president <laughs> today yeah. and 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 then you got to give credit to mike norvell who like handled it with grace he's like yeah that that was the wrong way to talk about it and marvin uh marvin wilson used his voice which is exactly what he should have done that would that was the most graceful owning of a mistake that i've ever seen any college coach do take notes uh clemson um and, oh and, Lord, because so, <laughs> Debo, who I who I like, bro, like who I who I had like, because he does have integrity, sort of, because he's such a hypocrite. On like the, when like I got on his, I ripped him on national television. Oh, I'm not gonna. Uh, oh, the day that they start playing, playing, paying the players, the day at day, I'm out here. Fool, you making ninety million dollars? You ain't going nowhere. Shut up. Yeah. No, he's. He he, and it, I think I think he just it's clown behavior. I think Dabo's a really good man, and I think his success is it, it emanates from his goodness, right? It's not an accident, but he's pretty tone deaf on like getting ca- caught out at a lake with a shirt that says "Football Matters" in the middle of just trying to get white people to admit Black Lives Matter was weird. It's just weird. Like the stuff that he's finding himself embroiled in is just bizarre. And he, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get too much into the ACC and SEC and, and, and all that stuff. But I I will say that, uh, that players like if players like Marvin Wilson can show you that it's okay to exercise your voice. Oh um, yeah, bro. Then other other players definitely need to learn from that, and I think we saw a little bit of that at University of Utah, not with current players, but with former players. Like, tell your truth, and and if people push back, and they will push back. I saw Florida State fans ripping him for doing that. I saw Utah, fan, plenty of Utah fans trying to figure out which former player they wanted to rip for messing up their head coach and waiting's life. Um, you know, just don't be scared. Use your voice. At the end of the day, you're the talent. They're the mercenaries. Yep. And you you need to look at it that way. Yeah, and there's no game without you. I mean, and we've seen that in other sports where where the NFL realized, hold up, 
over 70% of our players are black. We got to get on the good foot with this one, buddy, because uh, because it was going to be a mutiny had the NFL not spoken up and said something concrete and tough, which which was just an echo of what the players had put out the day before. But it would have been a absolute mutiny, bro. It would they may not have been able to play play games. It it, it would have been really really bad, really really bad. Um, yeah, so, but the last thing we got up today, Ralph, though, is, um, oh, okay, so, before that, I got some news for you. I was scrolling on my timeline, right? Okay. There's a huge, there are two huge music festivals. Well, obviously, there's like, well, there's more than that. There's like EDC, there's Coachella, uh, La Palooza, which is in San Francisco, uh, Chicago, Coachella's in you know Palm Springs, and EDC is in Vegas. And Coachella and Coachella got moved to October, right? Because of COVID, right? Coachella and La Palooza just canceled for twenty. What? Yep. What? No. <laughs> Where Instagram quote unquote models gonna get all their content? That's that's a good question, buddy. That is a good question. So I'm wondering, I'm like, if these people are canceling, you and they just canceled now, so when these tests are starting to go up and all of this stuff, bro, they they know something. And everybody is denying it. And I'm going to be part of the I told you so crowd, but I'm pissed off because you're going to ruin football for me. And I'm going to say cuss words. Uh, <laughs> the last thing is uh, the there is a bunch of preseason rankings that came out. There have been a bunch. You have the one for the on the NCAA.com by um, yeah, you have the one on NCAA.com that has, you know, they have Oregon sitting at six. They have um this uh USC sitting at 19. And that in Arizona State sitting at 25, there is the Sporting News, which has Arizona State sitting at 21, Utah at 18, and Oregon sitting at the number six spot. Then you have CBS, who has uh, C- CBS has their rankings that they've put out. 24/7 has put out rankings. All of that, which generally has um, Oregon's ranked, Utah, and some of them is ranked. Arizona State is on the cusp or in most of them in USC. So where do you look at these rankings and how do you think that that bodes for the Pac-12 going forward in 2020? If there's football, of course. Well... Preseason top 25 rankings are, aren't usually as brutal as the Pac-12 preseason rankings have a tendency to be. 
Um, especially the last few years when people refuse to do anything, but you know, give USC the crown. Um, and it hasn't been happening with the regularity that it, that it used to, uh, this, this looks pretty decent to me, um, for a top 25, I think Oregon on the cusp of the college football playoff is something that we've talked about on this podcast that we wouldn't be surprised by. I do not. I, the Utah at 18 makes no sense to me. Absolutely not. Not none at all. Like even if not only did they lose their entire defense, they might could lose their defensive coordinator. Let's just let's, let's hold off on that. I mean, if I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, if Utah finishes the season in the top, 25 if they finish the season in the top 25 the debate will be forever over on who the Pac-12's best coach is because this team is not built to make a to make a serious run it just isn't maybe maybe in a year but they just peaked at they had so much senior talent so much and they're not the type of team to to reload like that not when still having to play a full nine games against your own conference. Um, the Oregon being Oregon being on the outside of LSU, Georgia and Alabama um, makes sense to me. The, the real test is going to be Ohio state early on. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and North, North Dakota state, cause they have one of the best quarterbacks. in the Yeah, exactly. And then Clemson being at number one, I think is also predicated on them having Justin Ross, who's going to miss the whole season. So, you know, maybe that has some type of effect, uh, for them. Yeah, but they got but, a stockpile of, of recruits at this point in point in time. Yeah. <laughs> that devil's last four recruiting classes have been yeah. lights out. I could see I what I don't like uh is no Cal. I think that Cal should probably replace Utah or mm. or Arizona State. Uh I I think I think Cal should probably replace Arizona State. I don't think Utah should be in there at all and I think that maybe you bump everybody up one and put ASU around 25. Yeah, I I can't see a scenario where Utah finishes above eight and four. I cannot see a scenario. I we no. when we did the prediction show. I had them at seven and five, beating BYU, Middle Tennessee, Wyoming, Arizona, Oregon State, Colorado, and Washington State, and losing to Cal, USC, Washington, UCLA, and Arizona State. If they are in the top 25, that would be like Kyle Whittingham should be the the co- the Pac-12 coach of the year. If he- oh, for sure. And I'd probably kick Kentucky out of here for USC, too, at 23. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Could be- See, and USC is a very interesting team because you have people who are so like it- – it's one of those things like you – you look, Athlon rated their wide receiving cores the best in the country, which it may be. It was one of the best last year. They lost two dudes and still have one of the best wide receiver cores. And but they got Keaton Slovis. Their offensive line is going to be suspect. 
But when you have a quarterback and that good of wide receivers, you should be good, but you're running the 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 um the I was getting ready to call it the running the run and shoot, the air raid offense. You're running the air raid offense, which we've have discussed at nauseum isn't is a gimmick that teams with inferior talent use to try to combat teams with, with with better talent and doesn't allow you to run the ball effectively so usc is going to be like their own worst enemy and nobody believes in clay helton so people are like, this team is supremely talented. Their defense is weird. Can Todd Orlando get the defense going? But everybody's like, yeah, they'll finish eight and four, nine and three. Like if they finish ten and two, it'll be a miracle. And like, but nine at nine and three may not still even save Clay Helton's job. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think the fans would rather <laughs> if 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 the fans could go nine and three or six and six and guarantee clay helton got fired what what do you think they'd pick six and six how weird is that how weird is that because nine and three means that you can make a great case for him coming back <laughs> especially yeah, if you but- win your bowl game too and don't get housed by iowa Yeah, I just i I guess I've never rooted for a team that had. I I've I've always rooted for like if if Wyoming goes six and six and goes to a bowl, I'm very happy. <laughs> like so, I I I can't imagine wanting my team to go six and six instead of nine and three to get a change at the top. But uh, if they believe that it's sort of like breaking a bone to reset it, then you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, and I, I I think that the I think that this is going to be a comeback to reality year for Arizona State. That they will be ranked in the top twenty five at some points in time, but it's one of those that fan that that the expectations are higher than the talent level. Like that, the expectations are higher than that. Like even know that. People are so high on Jaden Daniels, all of this. It's like that they don't realize how low the ceiling really is. If that, if, if, if that makes sense, that, that people believe that this is a PAC 12 championship caliber team, but it's not, it's not like, like overall, they're not like when you look at from the bottom of the roster to the, to the top of the roster, they're not as talented as Oregon. They're not as talented as USC. They're not as talented as even Washington. So, like, they're not a team that I don't think can win the Pac-12 because you have to look at it as a total package. Like, you have to run the entire gauntlet. Can they beat a team one-off? Yeah. But to do it week in and week out, they're just not built like that. Uh, you're not going to hear an argument from me on them being, I mean, they're, they're, they're awkwardly built. They're very, 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 very young. Um, could they do it? Sure. But a lot of things that have to go right and, uh, we'll see. Yep. Um, well, 
Ralph, another successful episode of the Pac-12 Apostles. In the we're book. doing it. We, yeah, when we, we did, I think we got another four star review. So please keep those B plus reviews coming. I guess. No, uh, what is wrong with you, Ralph? <laughs> Stop the B plus reviews. If you don't have a five star review, keep it to yourself. Even though we do appreciate all re- re- reviews, how about you just give us a five star and send us an email about whatever your critique is. Uh, and who we'll shoots for it. five I, stars? I'm sorry, who shoots for have, four stars? We got we got a bad review one time about the sound quality, and I went out and I updated uh, my my whole situation. So like we're we're willing to listen. Um, we just gotta, yeah. Well, I I don't know. The four star reviews are cracking me up. It was from New England Devil. Said cannot give a five star review to George since he doesn't know how to order things alphabetically. <laughs> either full name or abbreviation dude that Uh, is dirty are you serious yeah and then we we got one on uh on march 31st 2020 five stars love the show hilarious and insightful i want even more episodes than one per week how about that Ooh, ooh, that's tempting that maybe Maybe next week we'll get into this email that was too nice for me to even want to uh, to read out loud on the thing um, from our from our, our friend the the, the veteran uh, that okay. was very very kind and and I really really appreciated uh, really appreciated hearing from him and hopefully um, uh, his name's Trevor Carlin and and hopefully we can continue to make some cool stuff for him and and. Um, I just, I, I, like I said, I'm not going to read the email out loud, but I was super, super, super humbled. And um, and uh, he's an Oregon Duck fan. Uh, so, you know, you're probably the one that brought him to the podcast. And just want to say we appreciate your service and, and the fact that you took the time to write. Man, that was that was a lot. That that was, oh, yeah. Dude, with everything I, I, going on in the world, that was, that was really cool. It was shocking. I was like, you know how we're doing this because this is what we care about and for the people who care about the same thing that we care about and and it was just like I was like wow the, the fact that this matters to somebody else that we're adding value to somebody who is out out, out overseas and and the fact that you brought that that up like it made me feel even like a little bit guilty about last last week because all the protest stuff and all of that was going through a lot personally. And then I got hurt <laughs> and was in massive pain and we didn't record an episode for a week. And when you think about the fact that people are counting on you, it, it's almost it, it's almost like Kobe and Jordan how they wanted to show up for the the fans who hadn't seen them. I, I know this is a dramatic, you know, overreaction because we're, we're yeah. Where you where you going, George? <laughs> I know I get, podcast, but, but I get it, man. Just the fact I get it. If we're making somebody else's service for our country and for it to protect our freedoms better, like that, it's important that we show up. And so, yeah, I, feel bad I just. I just feel like I should be writing emails like this to to guys like Trevor. So, um, it's Trevor, we, we appreciate you, man. Thank you 
so much and uh, uh, t- tell your friends and hopefully we can be that for them too. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Uh, leave, leave a five-star review. Don't don't listen to Ralph. <laughs> we appreciate your time. Send us an email. I'm mad at unafraidshow.com. Peace out. Catch you guys later. <laughs>